The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta. At Delta Airlines, we're committed to donating 1% of our net profits to charities around the world. For more information about Delta, visit Delta.com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, June 18th. In today's news, a Trump confidant acknowledges he didn't tell Congress about meeting a Russian who offered dirt on Hillary Clinton for two million bucks. Colombia elects a new pro-American president who may escalate the drug war. And the U.S. government is becoming much more aggressive in cyber warfare. But first, the big idea. The Trump administration cannot get its story straight on breaking up immigrant families. More than a month after Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced to great fanfare President Trump's new zero-tolerance policy of taking children away from their parents if they're captured while crossing the border, the administration continues to struggle with how to talk about it. Officials alternate erratically between defending the policy, blaming Democrats for it, trying to use it as leverage in negotiations with Congress, and even denying that it exists at all. That's what happened on Sunday night. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen tweeted, quote, We do not have a policy of separating families at the border, period. This formulation is funny because Trump's top domestic policy advisor, Stephen Miller, was quoted in Sunday's New York Times on the front page boasting about the policy of separating families at the border. He said, quote, It was a simple decision by the administration to have a zero-tolerance policy for illegal entry, period. The DHS announced last week that around 2,000 children have been taken from their families during the six weeks since the Trump policy went into effect, and officials acknowledge the number may be even higher. On Sunday alone, though, current and former members of Trump's team were all over the place when asked why Trump is taking kids from their parents. Mark Short, the president's liaison on Capitol Hill, told the Wall Street Journal, quote, The policy is incredibly complicated, and it's one we need to do a better job of communicating. We've not talked about the history of how we got to this point. Kellyanne Conway, counselor to the president, said on NBC's Meet the Press that, quote, as a mother, as a Catholic, as somebody who's got a conscience, I will tell you that nobody likes this policy. Then she falsely blamed Congress and said it's up to them to fix it. In a very rare statement, First Lady Melania Trump, an immigrant herself, said she hates to see families separated and called on the government to show more heart. Then, Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani said on CBS that Sessions is, quote, not giving the president the best advice on how to handle this situation. On Twitter, Trump continues to falsely blame Democrats for the separations. Nonpartisan fact-checkers agree that this is all the result of Trump's policies. He signed off on prosecuting all migrants who cross the border, including those with young children. Once in jail, the administration declares the kids to be unaccompanied minors and then puts them into that system. The White House has also begun interpreting a 1997 legal agreement and a 2008 bipartisan human trafficking bill is requiring the separation of families. They do not, and neither George W. Bush nor Barack Obama took this posture. Speaking of President Bush, former First Lady Laura Bush, who weighs in even less frequently than Melania Trump on policy issues, wrote an op-ed for Monday's edition of the Washington Post that compares Trump's policy to Japanese internment. She said she appreciates the need to enforce and protect international boundaries, but, quote, 
This zero tolerance policy is cruel, it is immoral, and it breaks my heart. Mrs. Bush says government should not be in the business of warehousing children in converted Walmarts or making plans to place them in tent cities in the desert outside El Paso. She adds, quote, these images are eerily reminiscent of the Japanese-American internment camps of World War II, now considered to have been one of the most shameful episodes in U.S. history. We also know that this treatment inflicts trauma. Interned Japanese have been two times as likely to suffer cardiovascular disease or die prematurely than those who are not interned. Americans pride ourselves on being a moral nation, Bush writes. If we are truly that country, then it is our obligation to reunite these detained children with their parents and to stop separating parents and children in the first place. At this juncture, the only thing everyone can apparently agree on is that this has become both a humanitarian crisis for the country and a political crisis for President Trump. Period. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Longtime Trump confidant Roger Stone tells the Washington Post that he met with a Russian national during the 2016 campaign who offered dirt on Hillary Clinton. Stone identifies the man as Henry Greenberg and says he offered political dirt for $2 million. Stone claims that he was the target of a setup by U.S. law enforcement officials hostile to Trump. There is no evidence, however, that Greenberg was working with the FBI during his interactions with Stone. For one thing, the meeting took place months before the FBI's counterintelligence investigation officially opened. Interviews and additional documents show that Greenberg, who has at times used other names, claimed to have provided information to the FBI for 17 years, but says he stopped his work with them after 2013. News of the meeting also contradicts Stone's remarks in a videotaped interview with The Post last year, in which he denied having any contact with any Russians during the 2016 campaign, categorically. In related news, Rudy Giuliani suggested Sunday that Trump may pardon Paul Manafort, his former campaign chairman who was sent to jail on Friday for alleged witness tampering, if he's convicted. And an attorney for FBI agent Peter Strzok, who was removed from Bob Mueller's probe last year for sending anti-Trump text messages during the 2016 election, said he is willing to voluntarily testify before Congress to clear his name. Number two. A conservative named Ivan Duque was elected as the new president of Colombia. Duque, who was educated at American and Georgetown universities, hails from a staunchly pro-American segment of Colombian politics. He spent years living in Chevy Chase, Maryland, and he once worked for the Inter-American Development Bank, which is based here in Washington. His victory promises an aggressive new era in the country's drug war that could endanger the major peace accord that was struck back in 2016 with former FARC rebels that ended Latin America's longest-running insurgency. U.S. officials see Duque as a reliable partner in combating the production of cocoa, the source of cocaine in that country. The new president could also bring back the controversial practice of using aerial spraying to kill cocoa crops. The practice was banned in 2015 for health reasons. Number three. The U.S. military's Cyber Command has begun taking a much more aggressive approach to preventing cyber attacks on the United States. Cyber Command has typically assumed a defensive posture, countering attackers as they enter American networks. When it has gone on the offense, typically to counter the online activities of the Islamic State, the results have been mixed at best. 
But the New York Times reports that this spring, the command has sought to disable cyber weapons before they can be unleashed. And in fact, the military is launching near daily raids on foreign networks. That is according to strategy documents, as well as military and intelligence officials. This change in approach was not formally debated inside the White House before it was agreed to, but it reflects the greater authority that Trump has given to military commanders. It also reflects the widespread view that the United States has mounted an inadequate defense against the rising number of cyber attacks on America. But under the Trump administration, the traditional structure of White House oversight of American cyber activities, whether offensive or defensive, is being dismantled. National Security Advisor John Bolton even eliminated the position of White House cyber coordinator shortly after taking office in April. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, June 18th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.